in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's writing on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. Gonzaga beat UCLA 83-63 to last night. A matchup of number one versus number two here in Vegas. And it was over about eight minutes in. That was incredible. <laughs> I was so pumped up for that game. And, and it was over. They floored him. Uh, you get four timeouts in college basketball. Mick Cronin called three in the first half. Incredible. And it did not mean anything. Um, Chet Holmgren scored 15 points on six of eight shooting at six rebounds. Blocked four shots. He is seven feet tall, weighs 195 pounds, and that seems like they're adding a couple pounds to right. the way he exactly. looks. I, I, I love this kid. Mm-hmm. I, the, he looks like an alien on the court because of how skinny he is. Right. But he is seven feet tall. He can shoot. And probably most importantly, he can dribble. Right. Like, he can handle the ball. He's not like, you know, not going to blow you away like he's some greatest point guard ever. But he can dribble the ball across across the midcourt line. Mm-hmm. He had a behind-the-back dunk last night where he brought the ball across the court and just went to the rim. He's incredible. And obviously, you know, his professional career is going to have to put on weight and everything. But, like, the upside is unbelievable given his height, his shooting, and his ability to dribble. We're living in the KD world. Yeah. You know, we're living in the KD era where guys that are his size aren't supposed to do what he's doing. But... You know, KD kind of opened up the door for that. Even going back to, the, you know, back in the day, even Scotty Pippen a little bit, you know, to a certain extent kind of did that. But, man, incredible. What an incredible player he is. Uh, I'm excited to see what he does the rest of this season. Excited to see what he does in the league. But like you said, he's going to have to put on some pounds, and, and the NBA is a different ball game. But uh, for right now, what he's got going on, I love it. It is super early um, in the college basketball season. But do you think we see Gonzaga sort of roll through the regular season like they have the last couple of seasons? They played Duke on Friday. Here, right. So they've got another big matchup. And Duke is good. Yeah. Man, how good is Duke? I know they got some <laughs> issues, but they're a good team. And then, you know, the WCC has actually been really good this, to start mm-hmm. this year. But it's still, you know, not going to be top five teams that they're playing. Uh, I I kind of expect Gonzaga to roll through the regular season. Again. I don't know if they get through undefeated like they did last year. but Right. They might get through undefeated like they did last year. I mean, they very well could. I mean, and look, when you're Gonzaga and you are a basketball, basketball blue blood, that's just who you are. I mean, you know, and you just don't have the don't have the championships, to, to, you know, to to put in the trophy case like that. But I mean, you know that they're going to be great start to finish. And then how they finish ultimately in the tournament is what's going to determine. But man, they're, they're a heck of a squad. They really are. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see them roll through the regular season either. Happy to move on to the, to the next question here, Aaron. All right, the Egg Bowl is going to be played tomorrow, Thanksgiving, 4.30 Pacific time. Um, I went to Ole Miss. I think this is the most entertaining rivalry in college football. Not because there's ever massive stakes on this game. It's usually eh, somebody's bowl eligibility is on the line is about as big as it gets. Uh, But just the pure entertainment and hatred of the two schools is phenomenal to watch. That's what rivalry week's all about. You know what I mean? And and we don't get that in the NFL. As much as I love the NFL, we don't get that anymore. I mean, it's it's all exclusive to 
the college game, you know, and so I I love it, and, and this is one of the more uh, the, the the more better. Let's put it like that. I know those two words don't go together, but who cares? <laughs> that's one of the two. That's one of the more better uh, of the two or the rivalries like that. So yeah, I, I, I like this one a lot, uh, and they do hate each other. And it's funny, uh, and I was telling you off air. Uh, I guess you have a decision to make if you're going to call it Ole Miss or you're going to call it Mississippi, and you said that it's got to be Ole Miss. Yeah, it's not Mississippi. The the Sports teams are old mess. Got well, like, yeah, and that's what I've always called like, it, but I was told that if you're like, not from a certain neck of the woods, you're not allowed to say that. And I was like, I don't know about you. I no. might not be from there, but I was calling it old no, Miss. It's old Miss. All you right. should call it old Miss. Like I I went to the University of right. Mississippi. Right. But the sports teams are old mess. I respect it. That's what they're called. I respect no, it. Anybody that calls it Mississippi's wrong. <laughs> like I don't, I don't even know where you get that from. And their mascot used to be a shark. I'm old. <laughs> They got rid of him. Well, kind of. He's kind of hanging around. Um, UNLV plays Air Force to wrap up their season. Uh, two and nine going on the road to finish the year. They're going to play Friday after Thanksgiving, a 1230 kickoff uh, Pacific time. We're not exactly sure who the quarterback is going to be for UNLV. Cameron Friel got hurt and left the game against San Diego State. If he's healthy, he's going to start. No doubt. Um, but... More than likely, he's not going to be. Mark Sarir didn't have an, have an actual update yesterday when he talked to the media. If it's not him, it would most likely be Justin Rogers. Their backup would be a true freshman, Matthew Geating. Um, the big question for this game in particular, I think, is more about the defensive side, though. Mm-hmm. UNLV's been better defensively than they were last year. Still not good, but they've been better defensively. They've actually been solid against the run, sort of an average run defense. But they're about to play a team that runs the triple option. Right. It's a different animal. Right. Can they stop that? Air Force has had a lot of games where they've run up a ton of yards and a ton of points. Mm -hmm. They've had some games where they only get to, you know, 21 as well. So that'll be the big question for this one. And then I do want to ask you this. We look ahead a little bit. UNLV's either going to be 2-10 and or 3-9 and after this season under Marcus Arroyo. Should the expectation next year be bowl game for UNLV football? I mean, I, I would think that it has to be, but I don't think it's realistic. You know what I mean? I mean, I just and I heard your explanation the other day about uh, losing, <laughs> losing. They they should lose and only get what three wins. You got to keep the bar, keep low. the bar keep low, the bar right? Low. Which of course no coach is going to go into it and, and <laughs> approach it that way. But I, I'll tell you, man, until the quarterback position is actually figured out, the expectations have got to be low. That has been probably the biggest issue of UNLV football since I've. Right here, they've had terrible defenses too. That's all. That's and the defense is good this year, yeah, that's but none of their quarterbacks can stay healthy. But they have not had like legitimately good quarterback right. play in years. Like Caleb Herring was what maybe a decade ago now, right? And like that's the last time you could say, yeah, UNLV had like a good season from a quarterback. Otherwise, like Armani Rogers was here under Tony Sanchez, right? was a highly ranked player. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of potential there. He was very exciting running the ball. Never had any accuracy. Couldn't couldn't complete but 50% of his passes. So, But he was so fun to he watch. He was. Incredibly I fun. I have no doubt. I have no doubt. The thing, I mean, look, health and consistency is what you need, and you've got to have it at that position. And for the, the Rebels this year, they had none of that. <laughs> none of that. Oh, man. Watching Armani lower his shoulder and then immediately come up limping. Yep. Fairly, yep, you pretty much nailed the uh, UNLV uh, quarterback experience. That's what it is. Next question. The Giants have fired Jason Garrett. He was calling plays as the offensive coordinator. Uh, Freddie Kitchens, currently the Giants tight end coach, expected to take over uh, play calling for the Giants. 
not going to matter. I never understood that dynamic anyway. I, one, I don't understand why the Giants, who played the Cowboys twice a year, every year, for 10 years while Jason Garrett was the head coach, I don't understand why they hired him as the offensive coordinator. Anyway, they saw his offenses. It was piss poor to begin with. <laughs> what made him think he was going to go to New York and it was going to get better? They were impressed. With what? He went great. to Princeton. Yeah, well, that's great. That's great. So he's a smart dude, but he's a terrible offensive coordinator. He's, he's, I mean, he's just not that good. I never understood that hire. And then I never understood the dynamic of Joe Judge and Freddie Kitchens are tight. Why do you have Jason Garrett in the middle? So when they fire Garrett, it, it's not a shock to me. When they put Kitchens there, it's not a shock to me. But I think it's just the, the, the beginning of the domino effect. Joe Judge, they may keep him around a little bit while, longer. But Gettleman, who decided that Daniel Jones was the guy, probably needs to go. I mean, they, they got a lot of issues going on in New York. They, they've got... I think the Raiders are going to have a lot of questions this offseason. The G-Men are going to have a lot of questions this offseason. If you're running the Giants, are you moving on from Daniel Jones after Absolutely. this year? Absolutely. Trading for Derek Carr? Trading for somebody. <laughs> Trading for somebody. Derek Carr's not playing for anybody. You know, he's going to retire a Raider. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, I can't tell you that. Penn State signed James Franklin to a 10-year extension. It's going to be paying him at least $7.5 million per season, which makes him one of the 10 highest paid coaches in college football. Ha, that means he's gone. <laughs> I guess he's going to the league. Guess somewhere he's going to be coaching somewhere else next year. Eight years at Penn State. He's had three seasons where they've won 11 games, but he's only 67 and 32 overall as the head coach there. He's not a top 10 coach. Like He's solid. He's but a solid coach. Right, right. But it, it feels, I don't know, it feels absurd that, yeah, 10 years and you're going to be paid. I think I think this ties in with Jimbo Fisher for like seven. I it, feel it, like a move like this is setting up Penn State for, hey, we know that he's on his way out. I mean, really, I was in Central Texas covering Baylor when Matt Rule signed his long six or seven year contract. <laughs> About six games later, he's on his way to Carolina. It's 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 something that programs do to protect themselves so they get something in return when their hotshot coach is on his way out as soon as Matt Rule signed that everybody who's a Baylor fan I know Granny uh, Granny has a lot of Baylor ties when they did that everyone who's a Baylor fan was like yes Matt Rule's not going anywhere for six years I was like oh he's gone he's gone and he was gone do you know what's the buyout Baylor got when he left do you remember? I can't remember but it was it was healthy so the Penn State one with James Franklin starts at twelve million. Obviously, it goes down as the years right, go on. Right. But yeah. if he leaves and goes wherever USC or somebody or an NFL team, whatever it is, they have to pay the Penn Baylor AD Mac Rhodes said, "We are protecting ourselves." He came out and said that immediately. <laughs> he said, "We're going to make sure that we protect ourselves." I don't think he ever gave the actual financials yeah. because it's a private school yeah, and they oh, don't have to right. do that. That's right. But he said, "We're making sure we protect ourselves." Cocaine isn't cheap. Clay Thompson participated in his first full practice of the season. He has missed the last two seasons, an Achilles injury and an ACL tear back to back. The Warriors have already been the best team in the NBA so far. Steph Curry, he was ridiculous last year. He's been ridiculous again, but they're finally playing that top five level defense like they were when mm -hmm. they were the best team in the league. Um, there's no return date. For Clay Thompson yet, it's literally just getting back to practice. He's got to get in game shape and feel good. But 
are they're not going to be you know mid 20 teens warriors but it does feel like we're about to watch the warriors dominate the nba again it, it does feel that way i'm excited about that as a as a longtime bay area dude a uh, fan of every team that played at the oakland coliseum the the raiders the warriors and the a's uh, i'm excited about this i was a guy that wasn't excited when the warriors signed kd i thought they didn't need him now they went and win a couple titles with them so hey take it of course take <laughs> Comes, but I like I I, I I like it how you said you know it, it they're going back to playing defense again. I mean they're they're playing with guys that don't necessarily have household names, but they're getting it done. Which reminds me of when Harrison Barnes was part of the team, when Iguodala was part of the team doing his thing, and he's back. You know, and I, I just like the guys that are role players that can step up and fill it up when they have to and, and and play their part really well. I'm excited about this. I don't think Clay's coming back till at least Christmas. That's when the season really technically starts. <laughs> But, man, if he comes back and he's got a chip on his shoulder, which I do believe he does, uh, listening to his press conference yesterday, uh, man, the Warriors could be nasty, dangerous. I'm excited about them. I, I can't wait to see what they're going to do. And, and uh, yeah, man, uh, Steph is incredible. He's got to be the best shooter probably in, in NBA history. Just oh, shooter. Yeah, no doubt about it. That's crafty wording right there. I give you credit. <laughs> The Titans released Adrian Peterson. They signed him on November 2nd, which was after Derrick Hen- Henry's injury. He ended up getting 27 total carries for the Titans. But the Titans' remaining running backs are Dante Foreman, Jeremy McNichols, and Dontrell Hilliard. This season, big picture on the Titans. They have had the most injuries, most games lost to injuries uh, on the season. Their IR list has been ridiculously long. They still have the best record in the AFC. Do you actually believe they're like legitimate Super Bowl contenders in this conference? No, no. I, I mean, I don't. And and that's not I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but I mean, Derrick Henry was just so important. You know, what I mean, he he's a, a, as important to that team as quarterbacks are to every other team. And without him, yeah, you get a little bit of burn. You win a couple more games. Adrian Peterson, that was a cute story. You know, scoring a touchdown. That was nice. I just don't think it's sustainable. I, I really don't. I and, and unfortunately for Tennessee and Titan fans, I mean, it's just. Really? Get get on a roll, get cooking like that, and then all of a sudden, your guy, Derrick Henry, goes down. So, no, I don't think it's sustainable. Uh, I don't think that they're really a Super Bowl contender. Uh, I still think the best team in the AFC is, is the Kansas City Chiefs. My only holdup is that right now. Thank you. Who is you the best team to do with in that. the AFC? Yeah, he's going to take whatever. No, of course he, he will. My only holdup on it is I don't think the Titans are going to do it either, but I can't really point to a team and say, yeah, they're for sure losing to that team. I think I'm with you that Kansas City is going to be there. Give it a couple more weeks. Right. And it's going to be, oh, yeah. They're Kansas turning the City's, corner. They're right. turning the corner. Their defense sure. isn't the worst in the league anymore. Right. So I, I think it's going to be Kansas City. But, like, if you told me right now, hey, the Titans have to go through New England and the Chargers or something to get to the AFC title game. I don't really feel that confident that either of those two teams would beat the Titans in a playoff game. So it's. I don't think they're going to get there. But right. I don't believe in Ryan Tannehill either, though. I've never been a guy who believed in Ryan Tannehill. Uh, I don't care what kind of look Jared just gave me. It's fine. I, I just don't believe in the guy. <laughs> I, I Honestly, I have a lot of beef with Ryan Tannehill because oh, he won, what, comeback player of the year? Was it last year he won that or the year before? Two years, two years ago he two won years ago, that. Yeah. And I and I and my biggest argument is what is he coming back from? Matt Gates. Okay. Get away from Gates. Okay, but he they had guys. It. Yeah, but you had guys that came back from medical. Like, I mean, you had you had the center from uh, you had Travis Frederick from Dallas who was coming back from a uh, Barre gear gear syndrome or Gear Barre whatever that syndrome is where he was out. Gear that was, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. major. I mean, there was all kind yeah. of major storylines going on. And Ryan Tannehill gets a second contract. He's had major contracts. That's not coming back. That's cashing out again. 
That's not a comeback. Just tells you what everybody in the league thinks of Adam Gase. I just really genuinely want Adam Gase, like, that to become a thing. Like, well, every, every quarterback that right. has left Adam oh, Gase. Oh, yeah, he's been terrible. But he's only got jobs because he, he actually was in the same locker room with Peyton Manning at one time. All right, here we go. We're giving away Foo Fighter tickets later in the show. We've got to guess if this song is by the Foo Fighters or a Dave Grohl side project. What do we got, Jared? Do I know that? I mean, it sounds... I like it. Yeah, it's Foo Fighters. I think I've heard this before. I think I know this song. Hold on. I got I to gotta get the extra edge real quick. Extra edge. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, yeah. I think somewhere Doug Marsh is like, let's go! Come on, Q! Yeah, that's Foo Fighters all day. You're both correct. All go. right. I'll, I'll add I've two more. Song. All right. We are up to caller number seven. I've heard that song. They I have heard it. that. What? Don't look at me like that. I don't know the names of any of these songs. That just feels like that's got to be Foo Fighters. You know what I mean? We're that's... up to caller number seven. Nice. 945. We're giving away Foo Fighters tickets, so make sure you are tuned in. Coming up next, can the Raiders beat the Cowboys? Facts are it is a wee thing when you walk into the locker room. But this is a classic case of how it can impact a team when people are, at the end of the day, this is not individual, it is team. You cannot win anything individually. So all of that are statements that I know everybody has heard to their blue in the face. But the point is that this popped us. This did pop us. Oh, Foo Fighters. I wasn't prepared to have a Foo Fighter or a side piece. I don't think that you'd roll Foo Fighters again. That'd be like three times in a row. I'm a row with side piece. It's Foo Fighters. Of course it is. <laughs> I think you threw me off. You didn't tell me that we were playing this game on the way back. I wasn't. My mindset wasn't there. I, my mindset what was going on with uh, Everson Griffin in Minnesota. You went. You went. You went 15:32. No, I would never do that. I'll never go 15:32. Uh, Foo Fighter tickets are coming up. Uh, in 9.45, what is that caller number eight that we are up to as I try to guess if they are Foo Fighter songs or Dave Grohl side piece. Uh, so did I cost us a one because I got it wrong? Or, or is it, is it doesn't matter what I... Mean, I that's, that's the pessimistic way to look at it. I'm, I'm but, looking at it as a... But you, I'm saying you, you kept us together. You, you got it right, so we're good. Right, so... If we both get it right, it's two more collars. Okay, okay. Right. If one of us gets it, it's That's one all right. More so collar. I didn't get a first down, but we did get five yards. Right, exactly. Okay, so we're good. So and, we're still on, on track. And listen, neither of us knows very much of anything about the Foo Fighters. So I'm I'm happy we're up to eight, to all be right. honest with so you. So I right. will I will say one of the side piece options is uh it's all about the Benjamins. Oh, nice. I can't really play that without <laughs> you both going, well, this is the this is obviously not the food fight. Well, then why would you put that into the options? I didn't. I didn't put it into the options. I'm saying that Dave Girls played on a bunch of stuff, but there's a lot of things that I can't play that are that would be better rejoin music. I mean, you can give us easy ones. I know, there's man. All about the Benjamins is easy ones. I mean, let's do it. Why don't you just run that one and we guarantee we get that one right? Why don't Except, you do, do something good for your country, yeah, man? Help yeah. us out. All right. That's all right. That's fine. Except I still there's still like a fifty percent chance Tyler. Yeah, he's not gonna get that one wrong. You're underestimating how much I actually When play. I jump up and I start dancing like Diddy, you're gonna be like, Oh, there's no way that's Foo Fighters. <laughs> <laughs> Diddy's 
my guy, man. I'm a Diddy guy. <laughs> All right. On the Raiders. They play the Cowboys. The Cowboys are going to be without Amari Cooper. He tested positive for COVID. Mm-hmm. He is not vaccinated, so he has to miss at least 10 days. C.D. Lamb may miss the game, likely to miss the game. Uh, he suffered a concussion on Sunday, is still in protocol. So you're looking at Michael Gallup mm-hmm. and Cedric Wilson becomes the number two receiver in Dallas. Right. Raiders defense has been pretty good this year. Does that does that make a significant difference in what you think the outcome of the game is going to be? I think it plays a role for sure. Uh, now, look, it's going to be up to the Raiders to show up. I mean, they uh, honestly, the, and I said this, I made this joke, and I wasn't really trying to make a joke. Uh, their offense needs, it's almost like when you go out to your car, and I mean, with Derek having the last name car, it, it makes it sound like I'm trying to be funny. I'm not. <laughs> but it's when you go out to your car, and you put the key in the ignition, and all you hear is click, 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 and you call Jared, and you're like, hey, man, can you come give me a jump? The Raiders offense needs a jump. You know what I mean? And so I I don't know what offense is going to show up, but with those guys that you said in particular missing in, in C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper, which most likely will be, I think Casey Hayward matches up really well against Michael Gallup. It's going to give him a tough time. I do think it's going to be tough. The only thing that I think the, the Cowboys could use to exploit the Raiders is uh, Tony Pollard and Zeke Elliott. If they hit them with that combination and the Raiders can't slow down the run, it could be a long day at the office. Are either of you disappointed Jason Witten isn't on either team? <laughs> nah, man. <laughs> Who doesn't miss Jason Witten? Jason Witten, hey, man, you know, his guy is a good leader. He's a good <laughs> glue guy in the locker room. All right. I honestly feel bad for Gus Bradley because somebody finally fixed the defense. Right. Right. For the Raiders. No, so, you're on, you're not wrong. Somebody finally did it. Mm-hmm. Like they finally came in and it's not like, oh, they went from the 30th to the 24th. Like they're legitimately a top half defense in the league mm-hmm. so far this season. Somebody finally fixed it. They're actually getting pressure on the quarterback on a regular basis. The Max Crosby and Yannick Ngakwe have both been very good. And now it's not his fault that John Gruden ends up resigning. It's not his fault that the offense has just disappeared for three weeks. If this team doesn't make the playoffs, it's probably likely that the coaching staff is all cleaned out, right? right. That they go completely new. Like he finally did it. He he did what had been impossible for like ever 18 years, pretty much. And he's probably not going to get, I guess he'll probably get hired by somebody else, but he's not going to get, you know, rewarded here unless of course the Raiders turn the season around. But I, I genuinely feel bad because he, he did something that nobody else has been able to do. And the reward is just, it's just not going to be there for him at the end of the year. Well, that's the thing that all of Raider fans are all upset about as well, because he's done exactly what you said. And the defense has been the seal for the team for so long. And all of a sudden they, they, they could possibly lose that guy that came and put it together quickly. I mean, you guys saw how fast the defense came together. I thought they'd be better. I didn't think they'd, they'd keep them in games in the first game yeah. of the season. I mean, they were the reason, in my opinion, that the Raiders won those first three games of the season because they gave them a fighting chance. They weren't clicking on all cylinders offensively, but the defense gave them a chance. I mean, that's one of the biggest questions, and I've said this before, Mark Davis has so many questions he's going to have to answer during the offseason. Do you do everything in your power to try to keep Gus Bradley around? I probably would if I was You know what I mean? Because, because you don't want to let that walk out the door. Because every every team Mark Davis has right. seen exactly. he's been in charge has had a bad defense. It's like the hot girl. You don't want her to leave already. <laughs> you know what I mean? She just got there and you're starting to shine a little bit. You know, you, you kind of do whatever you got to do to keep her around. It's like the it's like the honeymoon stage. And then, I mean, 10 years later, then you're like, oh, well, whatever. But at first, man, you want to keep her around. It's, it's going to be a fascinating offseason, I think. It, 
Make the playoffs or don't make the playoffs. Because I think even if you make the playoffs, you can look around and say, well, are we keeping Rich Bisaccia? Right. Eh, I don't not, think that's so. realistic. I, I never thought that that was realistic, and a lot of Raider fans were, as soon as he got off to that 2-0 and start, it's like, that's the guy! Mike Mayock endorsed him back in the day! He's the guy. He's a leader of men. He's exactly. And now they're on the three-game losing streak. They're like, Rich Bisaccia is not it. He's not it. Bisaccia has got to go. He's not the guy. Can, right. we, can we fire the interim? I mean, I've heard that too. Bring it on. Coming up next, Jason Fitz joins the show. The man does not like pie or syrup on his pancakes. No clue why we're talking to him, but it is time for our weekly visit with ESPN's Jason Fitz. Or it's not. No Jason Fitz yet. Hopefully we get him at some point throughout the show. That'd be fun. Have you seen this disturbing video? Do I want to see this disturbing video? Man. Remember I was asking about what's going on with Everson Griffin in Minnesota? Okay. What is happening? He had an Instagram video that he put out, and I don't have Instagram, uh, but it's on Twitter now. Uh, He put it out a few hours ago where he's holding the gun and saying people were trying to kill him in his house, and he's shirtless, and I don't have the volume on, but just looking at the pictures is very disturbing. Uh, so this, the Vikings put out a statement uh, earlier today about uh, Vikings representatives and teams. Mental health professionals have been on site at Everson Griffin's home uh, since early this morning and are cooperating with law enforcement. I saw the statement, had no idea the context. Exactly. And that's what that's why I started doing some digging over here. Wow. But apparently that is the context. So yes. Do you know? Was he on Instagram live? Like, was he live streaming? I'm this? not too sure. Okay. It just, it's just, uh, it's from his Instagram account. Obviously, it's him. I mean, it's just, uh, it's two hours ago, and uh, I mean, that's just, it's 30 seconds, and it's really, I mean, the, even the look in his eye is, it's bad business, man. So, I mean, okay, the way based on the way you're describing this video, the statement from the Vikings actually seems a little bit optimistic because it's not. Doesn't sound like anything happened. Right, right. right. It sounds like they're over there trying to help him. Which... Right. It's like they're trying to talk him off the ledge or whatever. Right. I mean, it, it sounds like it could be bad, but it's not yet, except for the fact that mental health has been something that's plagued Everson Griffin multiple times already. And this looks like another case of it. And with the statement that you just read, uh, man, you just realize how, how serious it is. And you never know who's dealing with something. But this looks like he's dealing with some real deal issues. And I, I'm sure it's scary for his family. And I'm sure he's scared too uh, in, in this type of situation. But man, this video is not—it's uh, not—it's not good. So hopefully things end up well for Everson Griffin, right? Uh, and the Vikings and their mental health professionals are able to take care of that and help him out. But yeah, a scary start to the morning right. for NFL news. Now I do want to ask you this question about Max Crosby. He's gone four games without a sack. Yeah, he does have five quarterback hits in those four games. Uh, but the last game he had a sack was against Denver. He had three sacks in that game. Big game for him. Does Max Crosby actually get a sack against the Cowboys tomorrow? He needs one. Uh, I think he has a good matchup with Lyle Collins. You know, I mean, I, I really do. But that's the thing. He's gotten home so much. He's, he, you know, he leads the league in pressures. You know, him and Ngakwe, their pressures are incredible. But at some point, you got to get home and get sacks. And, and unfortunately for Max, he hasn't had 
you know, one, like you mentioned in four, four games, he needs to get home. He needs to get home a couple times. And with Max, usually consistently, if you go back and look through the course of his career, he gets them in bunches. So if he gets one, it feels like, okay, there's going to be two coming, maybe three, like he did in that Denver game. Uh, but man, yeah, he, he needs to get, get home uh, and, and, and get a sack a little bit more than he's getting. Uh, a lot of that has to do with, you know, the, the people that are, are trying to block him and, or tackle him or, or hold him <laughs> or choke him out or whatever they're trying to do. But, I mean, hey, man, when you're a really good pass rusher, those kind of things are going to happen. So the interesting part on Crosby and, and Bunches is it's, it's not just been his sacks this year. If you look at his pressures per game, mm-hmm. he's had three games this year with double-digit pressures. Week one against Baltimore, he had 13. Week six against Denver, he had 12. And even week 10 against Kansas City, he didn't get a sack. But he had 13 more right. pressures, right? Those are in, insane numbers for a guy to have 12, 13 pressures in a game. Because you think the other team is going to snap the ball 60 times or so in a game. You're getting there more than one-sixth of the time. Mm-hmm. is insane. Um, the other seven games, he's only averaging four pressures. Only is not the right word. Four is still good. If you average four pressures a game, you're still a competent defensive end, right? So he's still good. But he's had those massive games right. where it's like Max Crosby is in the backfield all of the time. Mm-hmm. Max Crosby is nonstop in the backfield. So it is, it's interesting to see if that sort of continues. Like, is this a game where Max Crosby, like invisible is not the right word, but where Max Crosby has a quiet game right, where there's right. just a few plays he impacts, or is it a game where we're talking about Dak Prescott is running for Max Crosby the entire game? Well, I'll say this. If, uh, if Max Crosby is able to get home early in the first quarter, then you're going to feel like, at least I'm going to feel like as I'm sitting in the press box that, Hey, uh, you know, Max Crosby is going to have a big game. He's got to get off to that hot start. Uh, and like you said, it always comes in bunches, whether it's pressures or sacks. That's just what it is when it come, comes to Crosby. So I think Crosby and Ngakwe uh, have a good opportunity on on uh, on Thursday to to really do do well. I mean, Tyron Smith is coming back for the Cowboys, but he's been out for a little while. So you have to think he might be a step slower. I think they have an opportunity, but they've got to get home. If you're looking at this team in the big picture and we've hinted at the off season and there's going to be a lot of questions to be answered for the Raiders who along with Max Crosby are your building blocks. Trayvon Merrick second round pick out of TCU. I think he's a heck of a player. He's quietly having a really good season. I know he doesn't have a bunch of you know turnovers uh, interceptions and all that but he's that last line of defense. He's played every game. Uh, he's he's definitely a building block. So you got Max you got Trayvon Merrick. You got Max, you got Trayvon Merrick. <laughs> I mean, Ngakwe, I would say Ngakwe, but he's on a two-year deal. Right. You'd, like, you'd you love know? to put Casey Hayward and Yannick Ngakwe right. in that, but they're on short-term deals exactly. and, and they're veterans, so it's not like – I mean, they could be along. They could sign him to a, you know, an extension. Nate Hobbs. Don't, let me don't forget Nate Hobbs. I think the fifth-round pick out of Illinois, I think he's a good player. And, and I think the why I'd say he's a good player is not because he's flashy, he's made so many great plays, but he doesn't really make the same mistake twice. You'll see him out there and you'll see him make a mistake. You'll see Casey Hayward grab him by his neck and say, hey, this is what you got to do. <laughs> not like Dallin Levitt run inside with, you know, Nate Hobbs would have scored on that play, by the way. <laughs> he would find the end zone. But no, no he would have ran up to Casey Hayward and gone, where do I go? <laughs> No, uh, Nate Hobbs would have found his way to the end zone. Dallin Levitt, he decided to cut it back inside. I, don't, I still don't understand that. But uh, Nate Hobbs, I think, is a good a good building block as well, just because, again, he's got that, I like to say, a little something in his neck where you know he's going he's gonna to be there for you. So I think that Hobbs, Crosby, and Trayvon Merrick are guys you could definitely build around. And it's funny that I'm saying that when they're all in defense. Yeah, I mean, offensively, you go to it, like Colton Miller is... I mean, maybe, yeah, he's got his second contract. Yeah, like Colton Miller and then... 
Darren Waller, but he's going to be getting a new contract. You think he's under contract for a couple more seasons, right. but you'd think he's going to maybe at some point hold out or say, Hey, well, a lot of Raider fans thought he was holding out when he changed uh, agents this year. And then he was also injured in training camp. They thought, Oh man, he's going to hold out for big time money. And you know, look at the numbers he's had this season. It's not really warranting yeah. big time money. And that's not necessarily his fault. I think that Derek Carr and the Raiders offense needs to do a better job of getting on the ball, even though they checked that box last week, according to Derek, <laughs> I still don't think it was effective. I don't think it was the, 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 the catches that they were looking for. And when he had a big catch, it was okay. After that one big catch, there's a three and out. I mean, you've got to get that and then get it again and then get, I mean, that's what, when you need a big play, man, you got to look at your stars and he's a star. So when you look at the roster and building blocks and sort of what happens in the future, You've got potentially a really good defensive end for the next however many years of mm -hmm. Max Crosby. Then you have a slot corner and a free safety who have been good, but I don't think anybody's calling Hobbs and Mary, you know, stars or anything like no, that. No, they're, no, no, no. They're solid. They're, good they're, players. they're above they're good average players. starters right. in the NFL is yep. what they are. And then offensively, you've got an average to above average left tackle, a good tight end. And then outside of that, it's, it's hard to find things. So when you look at the roster going forward, it is, you know, when we go into this off season, is Mike Mayock still around? Right. Is any of the coaching staff still around? Like, there's a lot of questions on that end. Right. But also, whoever the GM is, whoever the coach is, you've got to figure out what you're doing with this roster. And Personnel, a lot of it goes yeah. back to they've missed on so many early draft picks that they should they should have more building blocks. They oh, no doubt. They should have more players that you can point to and say, that guy, he's getting a second contract. He's going to be a building block. But they don't have them. So it's, you know, whoever it is, it could be Mayock again. It could be somebody completely new. They've got to figure out, A, who the building blocks are, who you want to keep, and in all honesty, how far away you are from contention. Right. Because I think right now the ceiling of this roster is probably nine or ten wins and a first-round exit in the playoffs, right? Like, that would be about as high as you could see the Raiders going. And listen, it's an organization that's made one playoff appearance in 18 years. If they make the playoffs, it, that is a success. There's no doubt about it. But if you have a new GM come in, they might say... We don't want to be a team that wins nine games and right. gets bounced. We want to win a Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. So here are our four or five building blocks. Everything else is let's tear it down and see if we can contend in three years from now, which is what the Raiders have been doing. And what no Raider time. fan wants to hear right? is rebuild again. <laughs> Reggie McKenzie tore it down. John Gruden tore it down. Next guy, is he going to tear it down? You, you, you would hope not, you know, from a Raider standpoint, but at the same point, you know, who are the guys, you know, like you mentioned, you know, is a, is a new GM or even Mike Mayock. Does he want to give Derek Carr a contract extension? I mean, does Derek Carr want a contract extension? Does he want to be around, you know, next year you have uh, in the off season coming up, you have three questions as far as fifth year options, Cleve Farrell, Josh Jacobs, Jonathan Abram. I'll tell you right now, I don't see any of them getting their fifth year option picked up. Yeah, I don't. Even Josh Jacobs. And he's the best at all three of them. Yeah. I mean, Farrell's absolutely not no way. Yeah. on the field. They like Abram a lot, but the production has, it has not been there. I, I think that's $7 million for the fifth year option on him. Yeah. And it's 10 million for Jacobs and yeah. 10 million for a guy who's injured a lot. As much as right. I like Josh Jacobs, I think he's a hell of a player. He's got a hell of a story. $10 million is a lot of money. This is the NFL. It's a business. It's, it's the problem with the position of running back. Exactly. Josh Jacobs can be really good, but yep. he's been injured a lot. And, and a lot of his production is dependent upon is the offensive line any good and You'd rather spend $10 million on another offensive lineman than right. a running back because you know, Peyton Barber behind a better offensive line is probably better than Josh Jacobs behind a bad offensive line. All right, here we go. We've got a giveaway for you right now. You're going to get a $50 Amazon gift card. You're also 
going to be in it to win it. We got two tickets to the Raiders against the Chargers on January 9th and a $200 (laughs) gift card to the Raiders store at Allegiant Stadium. Now, to win those tickets, though, you're going to have to be present at our Thursday night football viewing party out at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino on December 2nd. Cofield and company will be out at Silver 7's on December 2nd. So, to win the tickets to the Raiders Chargers, to win the 200 bucks to the Raiders store, you'll have to be there. But right now, you will win a $50 Amazon gift card. No doubt about that. 702-364-1100. We will take caller number 5 at 702-364-1100. Ever since the Golden Knights traded Marc-Andre Fleury, strange things have been happening there's a black cloud over T-Mobile Arena, and it's called the Flurry Curse. This is Fernando, loyal listener. Have a great day. Mark at the points, build the player, assemble different drummers. Light up the fire. I gotta go. That's a side project to Dave Grohl. <laughs> yeah, man, that's gotta be. I'm hearing a little bit of. I'm trying to be a a Rasta man. You know, I heard a man working down at the plants, man, and I was growing some plants and some trees, man. Yeah, that's definitely. That's gotta be a side piece. Yep, that would be him joining the Killing Joke. So you are both correct. Let me add it to the tally. All nice. Right. Uh, Foo Fighter tickets are coming up. At 9.45 on the show, we are now up to caller number 10 that we will be taking. Uh, You heard a voicemail there from one of our listeners, our voicemail line, 702-720-4678. You can call and leave us a voicemail. Say what up, though. Just say what up, though. No, no, I like that better. There's a black cloud around the organization after they turn flurry. You know what's funny about that that voicemail is I understand what he was saying, and and he's got some good points there. But it almost felt like I was listening to a Raider fan talk about the Raiders. <laughs> I mean, seriously, you know, it's like ever since the, you know, the Gruden email hit and, and all that, it's been a black cloud covering this team. I, I, I mean, you could put those two and two together. Obviously, much different circumstances, but it, they both kind of come together. Uh, the main problem there is the Golden Knights have still actually been performing pretty well. <laughs> Like, yes, you're not wrong. That part. Yeah, you're not. You're not wrong. The entire team has basically gotten hurt at points this year. Right. And they're still nowhere close to health, but they're still very much in a playoff spot. And For sure. It was just the theme of his call. Yes. And when he said black cloud, I literally thought of <laughs> I could go back to even the Chicago Bears game. I oh felt like God. when I was in the in the press box, it's so funny that I'm in the press box right now. It's great. But when I was in the press box. <laughs> That's what I felt. There was a black cloud hovering over the the, the stadium, Allegiant Stadium that day, because it just it it felt like there was a big fog. So that's why uh, that was a great call, man. That you can you can use that. All you gotta do is replace you know the 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 Golden Knights with the Raiders, and then boom, you can have the same basic call. Do we replace Flurry with Khalil Mack? Nah, it's taking it too far back. Who was in charge of the financials that had to leave? Mark Bedane. I mean, yeah, there was, yeah. there was, you know, there was a lot with that. I mean, that's true. That goes back to the off season. You know, there was, it's funny when I first got here to Vegas, uh, I had an opportunity to go to Legion stadium for some event. Um, it was uh, the small business 
small business features, you know, and Lincoln Kennedy was hosting it. So I decided I'd show up and check it out. And Mark Bedane was there. And so I did about a five minute little quick interview with him. Was all proud of myself, you know, went, played it on the radio the next day or whatever. And about a week later he was gone. I was like, damn, <laughs> did I do that? You know, I felt, I felt like, Oh, well, who's that dude? who used to say that. Did I do that? Who was that cat? Remember that TV show? Was that Dennis the Menace? No, I that was Urkel. Oh, yeah. How do you not know Urkel? Hey, look, man. Why, why I got no Urkel? That was Urkel, though. He was my guy. he was, like, for, like, three years. Well, Julia Dennis White the Menace was, the was biggest... cool, too. I, Urkel was the black uh, Dennis the Menace. I can say that. Uh, <laughs> Q, you, you might love this question. Um, who's Urkel? Oh, good Lord. Are you serious? You don't know who Jaleel White is? No oh, clue. Oh, man. Urkel was my guy. Welcome to my life. Urkel was my guy. He was so funny. He used to, him and Alf used to have me rolling, man. Those, and I know those are two rando cats, but man, those two cats used to have me laughing. Urkel was the dude. And I always was hoping he was going to get Laura. Laura was the good looking girl next door. And Urkel was the dude that, you know, was the goofball that you knew he had. He was, he was screech before screech. Listen, you're going to make more references, and the, it's not going to help me at all. Have you don't know seen, Screech from Saved right, by the right. Bell? Have you no. seen Die Hard? Yes, okay. I've seen Die Carl. Hard. You know the cop? Yeah, Carl? I don't really remember who Carl is. The one, go get him, cowboy, or whatever he said. Yeah, Which, he's da- he, gets a, he gets a body thrown on his car. Okay. Well, all right. So, Carl Winslow. Yeah, he was. He had a, they did a whole sitcom about his uh, his family life. Yeah. About that character? No, no. Well, he still played a cop. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Okay. It was fa- it was Family Matters, right? Was yes. that it? Yeah, Family yes. Matters. And then they suddenly went, what if we introduced this annoying neighbor who turns out to be... Urkel was the dude. Yeah. like He the- was cool. I actually met Steve Urkel in real life. He's one of those characters, Tyler, that you can't not be that character. You know what I mean? Like, you could play every role invented, and <laughs> you're still that guy. So no matter what Jaleel White ever did in life, he was always going to be Steve Urkel. So he could be playing the most serious role and a really important role, and it was like, oh, look, there's Steve Urkel. So when I met him in L.A. at the House of Blues at the Keisha Cole concert, I said, oh, what's up, Urkel? And he goes, it's Jaleel. And I was like, I know, but you're really Urkel. And he goes, I know, I get that all the time. So it's one of those, you want to be that guy because it's a nice role to have, but then you're always stuck in that guy's mode. See, don't actors have to embrace that? They should. Like if you're um, Daniel Radcliffe, like you're just Harry Potter. Right. Like You're just nothing, that dude. There's nothing wrong with that. It's no. one of the most popular thing that's ever happened. I know about it. Like if it's a pop culture thing and I know about it. There it, it is. Then that's that's just what it is. But I feel like you have to embrace it. Like if you have like one just right. massive role, one role, you got to embrace. You can't be mad when people come up and refer to you as whatever that. No, was. not at all, man. You just got to be who you are. You know, whatever you you're remembered as is who you've got to be. You've always got to embrace that guy. Hugh, if you haven't learned yet, I will not get any pop culture references. It's okay. Like none of them whatsoever. You mentioned who was that? Alf. Oh yeah, Alf was. Uh, he was. He wasn't even a real person. I don't know <laughs> what that puppet. is. No, okay. he was an alien, man. He was funny though. I like funny people. I That's why I like you, Jared. You're a funny dude. And he knows who Alf is, and I have no idea what Alf even is. Google him. <laughs>